Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled The Cities of the Statue, Part 1. I am Pastor John welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, in our episode, Use Not Liberty for an Occasion to the Flesh, we learned how Galatians chapter 5, verse 15 says this, Beware that you are not consumed by one another. This can happen so fast it is virtually undetectable until you are way too involved so it stands out as something wrong. This is why the full verse reads, However, if you continually bite and devour one another, beware that you are not consumed by one another. This is a famous sidetrack from anything, because we are so easily deceived by it every time it occurs in our lives. In instances like this, it can last a lifetime if we do not fully secure it where it belongs. In this episode, we will examine the fact Nebuchadnezzar has a disturbing dream. It is a portion of that dream we want to look at as it professes a very long time period, the end of which is still very much open. There are five aspects which make up the total time period. Again, the end of that time period is still open and unfulfilled to any certain and large degree. That is, despite all the new items that fulfill Bible prophecy toward the true end of God's people on this earth. Yes, some prophecy has come to pass, but barely enough to point the way for certain. The common market came and grew much bigger than prophecy used in that context, which predicts things originally thought to be of the common market. I should also point out it is now called the European Union. So, our interpretation of the passages of Scripture that lead us down that road is flawed. We are definitively missing something. So those Scriptures need a new visit if we are ever to learn the truth. Regardless, today's examination is found in the second chapter of Daniel. It starts this way. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had many dreams. His mind was disturbed and he suffered from insomnia. The king issued an order to summon the magicians, astrologers, sorcerers, and wise men in order to explain his dreams to him. So they came and awaited the king's instructions. The king told them, I have had a dream and I am anxious to understand the dream. The wise men replied to the king, What follows is in Aramaic, 
O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will disclose its interpretation. The king replied to the wise men, My decision is firm. If you do not inform me of both the dream and its interpretation, you will be dismembered and your homes reduced to rubble. But if you can disclose the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts, a reward, a considerable honor. So disclose to me the dream and its interpretation. They again replied, Let the king inform us of the dream, then we will disclose its interpretation. Daniel chapter 2 verses 1 through 7. These men of sorcery seemed to be confident in their own abilities. That changed quickly. However, we need to read further. The book of Daniel continues. The wise men replied to the king, There is no man on earth who was able to disclose the king's secret, for no king, regardless of his position and power, has ever requested such a thing from any magician, astrologer, or wise man. What the king is asking is too difficult, and no one exists who can disclose it to the king, except for the gods, but they don't live among mortals. Daniel chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. Isn't it interesting, verse 10 opens with, there is no man on earth who is able to disclose the king's secret. Not even any magician, astrologer, or wise man. Verse 11 makes this worse as it also states, No one exists who can disclose it to the king except for the gods, but they don't live among mortals. So now what? Then it happens in verse 12. Because of this, the king got furiously angry and gave orders to destroy all wise men of Babylon. Daniel chapter 2, verse 12. Scripture tells us that Daniel was able to make arrangements with the king to stay the execution of his judgment for another day. In this passage, no specific time is such exactly rendered as a day. He inquired of Arioch the king's deputy, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested the king to grant him time that he might disclose the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his home and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the matter. He asked them to pray for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends would not be destroyed along with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then in a night vision, the mystery was revealed to Daniel. So Daniel praised God of heaven, saying, Let the name of God be praised forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. Daniel chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. In verses 29 through 30, this passage starts the change in the text that now leads to the solving of the king's dream. 
Daniel points out the fact that the king was thinking of future events, such things that have not yet or even happened before. In the next passage, Daniel interprets the dream to the king. You, O king, were watching as a great statue, one of impressive size and extraordinary brightness, was standing before you. Its appearance caused alarm. As for that statue, its head was of fine gold, its chest and arms were of silver, its belly and thighs were of bronze, its legs were of iron, its feet were partly of iron and partly of clay. You were watching as a stone was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its iron and clay feet, breaking them in pieces. Then the iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold were broken in pieces without distinction and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors that the wind carries away. Not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the statue became a large mountain that filled the entire earth. This was the dream. Now we will set forth before the king its interpretation. Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through 36. Commentary starts with verse 31 this way. A great image, literally, one image that was great. Though the kingdoms were different, it was essentially one and the same world power under different phases, just as the image was one, though the parts were of different metals. From Jameson Fawcett Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. Isn't that interesting? Quote, it was essentially one and the same world power under different phases, just as the image was one, though the parts were of different metals. End quote. Is not that an interesting comment? We are effectively the same earthly worldly form despite all the new things and technology that have come since this statue was first seen in a dream and commented about. Prior to this, the same source also said, the world power in its totality appears as a colossal human form, Babylon, the head of gold, Medo-Persia, the breast and two arms of silver, Greco-Macedonia, the belly and the two thighs of brass, and Rome with its Germano-Slavonic offshoots, the legs of iron and feet of iron and clay, the fourth still existing. Those kingdoms only are mentioned which stand in some relation to the kingdom of God. Of these, none is left out. The final establishment of that kingdom is the aim of his moral government of the world. The Colossus of Metal stands on weak feet of clay. All man's glory is as ephemeral and worthless as chaff. 
Compare 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24. But the kingdom of God, small and unchecked as a, quote, stone, end quote, on the ground is compact in its homogeneous unity, whereas the world power in its heterogeneous constitutes successfully supplanting one another contains the elements of decay. The relation of the stone to the mountain is that the kingdom of the cross. See Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, Luke chapter 24, verse 26. The relation of the stone to the mountain is that of the kingdom of the cross to the kingdom of glory, the latter beginning and the former ending when the kingdom of God breaks in pieces the kingdoms of the world. See Revelation chapter 11 verse 15. Christ's contrast between the two kingdoms refers to this passage. From Jameson Fawcett Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. Isn't that last comment very interesting? Christ's contrast between the two kingdoms refers to this passage. Do they mean Revelation chapter 11, verse 15? Let's open that passage and see. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign for ever and ever. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. That is a pretty definite statement, probably far more than one will take away from reading Revelation alone. Look, too, at the commentary on this passage, which is quite definite. Evidently, the last trumpet. Six is close to seven, but does not reach it. The world judgments are complete in six, but by the fulfillment of seven, the world kingdoms become Christ's. Six is the number of the world given over to judgment. It is half of twelve. The church's number, as three and a half, is half of seven, the divine number for completeness. From Jameson Fawcett Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. Bengal believes the angel to be Gabriel. Further examination strongly bears this to be so. But getting back to our passage. Verse 24 is what commentary has referenced. I have included more to make the complete thought emphasized in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24. You have preferred your souls by obeying the truth in order to show sincere mutual love. So love one another earnestly from a pure heart. You have been born anew, not from perishable, but from imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. 
the grass withers and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was proclaimed to you. First Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Commentary says this of verse 24. The grass is the flesh, the flower its glory. Clarity is very important here. The flower is the glory of the flesh and not man's spirit or the Holy Spirit. This is why the grass withers and the flower falls off. With this view, let's look at the head. The head of this image was of fine gold. From Green's Literal Translation Commentary from Gills reads, This image's head was of fine gold. The prophet begins with the superior part of this image and descends to the lower because of the order and condition of the monarchies it represents. This signifies the Babylonian monarchy, as afterwards explained, called the head, being the first and chief of the monarchies and compared to fine gold, because of the glory, excellence, and duration of it. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. On ancient coins, states are often represented by human figures. The head and higher parts signify the earlier times, the lower and latter times. The metals become successfully baser and baser, implying the growing degeneracy from worse to worse. Hesiod, 200 years before David, had compared the four ages to the four metals in the same order. The idea is sanctioned here by Holy Writ. It was perhaps one of those fragments of revelation among the heathen derived from the tradition as to the fall of man. The metals lessen in specific gravity as they downwards. Silver is not so heavy as gold, brass not so heavy as silver, and iron not so heavy as brass. The weight thus being arranged in the reverse stability. Nebuchadnezzar derived his authority from God, not from man, nor as responsible to man. From Jameson Fawcett Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. For the sake of clarity, holy W-R-I-T is defined, a writing or utterance having unquestionable authority, by Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. When capitalized, as it is here in commentary, it is directly referenced to the Holy Bible and or God. So, moving on. Wherever human beings, wild animals, and birds of the sky live, he has given them into your power. He has given you authority over them all. You are the head 
of gold. Daniel chapter 2, verse 38. This is spoken to Nebuchadnezzar by Daniel. This is powerfully profound and clear, such that it must be made known. Keep in mind, we have already looked at some commentary on verse 32. It said, As for that statue, its head was of fine gold. That verse obviously continues, but this is what we need to examine this week. On verse 38, commentary says this, Men, beasts, fowls, the dominion originally designed for man, forfeited by sin, temporarily delegated to Nebuchadnezzar and the world powers, but as they abused the trust for self instead of for God to be taken from them by the Son of Man, who will exercise it for God, restoring in his person to man the lost inheritance. Psalms chapter 8, verses 4 through 6, our reference. Thou art head of gold, alluding to the riches of Babylon, hence called the Golden City. Quote, unquote. From Jameson Fawcett Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. Psalms chapter 8, verses 4 through 6 is what commentary has called, but Psalms chapter 8, verses 4 through 9 flows the complete thought. We will read the larger text here as it bears better understanding. Of what importance is the human race, that you should notice them? Of what importance is mankind, that you should pay attention to them and make them? a little less than the heavenly angels? Or what importance is mankind, that you should pay attention to them, and make them a little less than the heavenly beings? You grant mankind honor and majesty. You appoint them to rule over your creation. You have placed everything under their authority, including all the sheep and cattle, as well as the wild animals the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that moves through the currents of the seas. O oh Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your reputation throughout the earth. Psalms chapter 8, verses 4 through 9. It can be presumed safely that man was honestly and truthfully put in charge of all we put our feet on, that which is in the air we breathe, and of things we set our eyes on, to only name a few. Yet, as commentary pointed out, consistent with the statue, our decline is based in Adam and Eve's sinful behavior, as well as our own participation in our own life, regardless of when we were born in time, either in history or in the present, also in the times to come, either near or far. Commentary also had this to say, 
thou art this head of gold, or who was represented by the golden head of the image he had seen in his dream? Not he personally only, but his successors, evil Merodach and Belshar, and the Babylonish monarchy as possessed by them. For this refers not back to the Assyrian monarchy from the time of Nimrod, but to its more flourishing condition in Nebuchadnezzar and his sons, called a, quote, head, unquote, because the first of the monarchies and golden in comparison of other kingdoms than in being, and because of the riches of it, which the Babylonians were covetous of. Hence Babylon is called the golden city, and it may be, because not so wicked and cruel to the Jews as the latter monarchies were. From hence the poets have been thought by some to have taken their notion of the golden, silver, and iron ages as growing worse and worse. But this distinction is observed by Hesiod, who lived many years before this vision was seen. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. This is now the second allusion to this vision existing prior to the time Nebuchadnezzar sees this statue in a dream, but Nebuchadnezzar appears first to find an interpretation to the statue, the entire statue. Digging a bit deeper, we find this from our first commentary passage. Then said Jesus to his disciples, If anyone doth will to come after me, let him disown himself and take up his cross and follow me. From Young's Literal Translation of the Holy Bible, 1898. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone wants to come with me, he must leave what he himself wants to do. He must be willing to carry his cross and come with me. From the Bible in Worldwide English. Commentary says this on this passage. Come after me. Follow my directions. Deny himself. Abstain from all indulgences which stand in the way of duty. Take up his cross. Resist the pleadings and carnal policy and appetite and submit to whatever may be needful in order to obey God. The life of disciples of Christ is one of self-denial. They must make sacrifices, and it is wise to do so, for it is the way to avoid the greatest loss and obtain the greatest gain. From Family Bible Notes from the Nazarene Users Group. There it is. Come after Christ. Deny yourself, male or female, and take up your cross. Again, resist the pleadings of carnal policy and appetite. Submit to whatever may be needful in order to obey God. 
the life of disciples of Christ is one of self-denial. They must make sacrifices. It is wise to do so, for it is the way to avoid the greatest loss. It is also the way to obtain the greatest gain. Next week, we will examine the second of five elements of the statue in the Old Testament. Our series is titled, The Cities of the Statue. Play or download next week's episode titled, The Cities of the Statue, Part 2, from one of our podcast hosts. Or, follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast item. Details follow! This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To find more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again. A short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. We have even more information. Check out our mobile, tablet, and desktop compliant website. It is a subdomain hosted at site123.com. That is site123.com. Our site link is unchurched.site123.me. This website is where you will find additional information about us and the podcast platforms we are in syndication with. Find direct links to all our platforms under the podcast menu item. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast platforms. Please use the search phrase Church of the Un-Church to find us on a podcast platform like iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or Spotify, to name a few. Note, please use the dash symbol and not the word dash when you search for us. We refresh our RSS feed with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, U.S. Eastern Time. These sites update our feed within 24 hours, and sometimes less, 
of our refresh. If Podomatic has any server issues, all linked episodes on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher will be unavailable for the duration of the server downtime. We therefore post all episodes on our backup host, www.podcasts.com. That is podcast with an S. Again, our site address is www.podcasts.com or go to anchor.fm forward slash unchurched. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.